Uh, welcome back, everybody, to the Research VR podcast. Um, today is another episode with Diedrich from Hello VR, and uh, they're building some pretty fantastic social VR experiences. And uh, Diedrich and I, we were just kind of chatting about like really interesting social or the, the factors of essentially immersion and and the believability of a space and um, we're kind of disagreeing we weren't disagreeing but we're trying to clarify on like why we thought certain things so you started off with um, what what was the environment you have to believe that sure okay go ahead well yeah so we were talking about essentially um, levels of presence right so uh, you know not so much as you know what is required to generate presence in VR but more so the sort of layers of uh, presence that uh, a user can uh, experience uh, uh, in VR, and, and you know, for us, you know, you know, we're a you know social VR company, and our focus is uh, you know solely on uh, maximizing social presence in virtual reality. So that that feeling that uh, you know you're actually sharing space with a with a with another human being. But we're finding um, <clears throat> we're finding that layering uh, levels of presence. It's sort of creating uh, the, the, a sensation that sort of locks you into the experience longer periods, right? So, like, yeah. I, love, I mean, you've been in VR experiences where you sort of daydream, right? You kind of, you know, you have that sense of being in the world, but, uh, you know, you're still sort of like, you know, uh, in, in touch. You sort of have like one foot in, 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 mm-hmm. in the natural world, mm-hmm. right? So, like, we're finding that, like, when you, when you sort of layer presence, you know, starting with um, the environment presence, right? That sense that I'm in an environment. Uh, a believable environment, uh, and then of course I mentioned social presence—that feeling that you're sharing space with a person. Mm-hmm. And I think the key there is uh, experience uh, with a person and not sort of an avatar, right? It's that you know that believable—you know—that the head is tracked properly, the hands are tracked properly, the brain does interpolation to kind of uh, you know fill in the gaps, and you believe that it's the person. The body language comes through. I know it's you because yeah. I've subconsciously studied your body language, kind of thing. True social presence and. Uh, We've also been experiencing or experimenting with what we're calling cognitive presence. So that's the feeling. What does that, that mean? What, what is this buzzword you're throwing <laughs> out there? Cognitive, this, cognitive, that. That's a very true and, and uh, dear word to me. So, <laughs> what, is, what, is, sure. what is that mean? Sure. So, um, so I'm going to give you an example. So, um, yeah. you are a conscious being, uh, right? Mm-hmm. Hope so. You are. Hope so, right? <laughs> so you can't um, prove that, you know. Yeah. But, yes. So, so uh, if you were to, to, to not speak, to not give me any sort of social cues and not communicate, mm-hmm. I'd have a sense of presence with you, right? It's, it'd have a sense of, you know, shared uh, moment with a conscious being, a conscious entity, right? There's a window and there are birds flying about, right? Mm-hmm. So I have this sense that there is life in the world. And I know, I know that when, it, when the bird flies, I, I know that it isn't a scripted sprite flying in right. a fake window because you guys I know that it's that. thinking it's okay. a thinking creature mm-hmm. right every from from the the brain driving the nervous system and the muscles it's and it has a mission right it's 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 a it's, it has the sense that it's attempting to accomplish something right. and my brain makes these calculations on the fly and I accept it as real I accept it as a part of the experience I'm having mm-hmm. uh, and that creates for me a deeper sense of presence so i'm going to push back a little bit here what what so what's the difference between the cognitive 
end of things to um, I mean the cognitive presence to the environmental presence because it sounds like everything that's not you and and your partner that's in the game is environment so why, why, why call why is that a third layer is that just a more complicated version of the first layer well in, the environment can also uh, induce cognitive presence right so we, we simulate trees uh, and wind mm-hmm. um, and we deliver kind of this sense of the environment being alive, the environment being intelligent. Mm-hmm. So that is, in fact, cognitive presence. We also generate uh, more static environments um, and objects within those environments. So, you know, uh, you know, rocks, for example, right? You can sort of deliver a sense of presence of the environment within the environment um, simply by not distracting kind of the, the flow of things, mm-hmm. right? So, so I'm in an environment... There's nothing to distract me, to make me sort of detract me from the experience of the environment, right? So, like, there are no flaws, right? So, you know, you're constantly scanning environments for flaws. Like, oh, that looks like a video game. That looks like, wait a minute, that's off. Mm -hmm. So you can actually eliminate that. You can reduce the cognitive load in that sense and, like, deliver a true sense of environment presence. The way we've been experimenting with it. Wow, how do you... How are you accounting for the shifts or the glitches in that matrix where yeah. you're being thrown off? Yeah, yeah. So what? Reducing polygons or reducing the amount of interactions? Well, or well, what we've what we've done is we're seeing some success with um, a little bit of success with is um, we've been mixing uh, textures, mixing hmm. uh, uh, sort of fidelity a little bit, right? So like objects that you interact with, we place an emphasis on detail, and okay, uh, yeah. we completely simulate lighting. We're using PBR. Lighting system, so it's like real-time lighting, right? But but also let's 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 consider that in the environments we're creating, there's a there's a single persistent sun, mm. right? So that also kind of locks you in, right? You because you get a sense your brain's really clever. You know that the shadows are you know you get it. You've seen right. the way shadows bounce off of rocks. You get it. So when that is successful, when it when it actually uh, is when it's a successful simulation of light and shadow. Uh, and the textures are right, you have a sense of presence with that object. Right. When you pick up rocks, you kind of feel like you feel a, a, a sense of presence just with the rock. So you will accept, wow. you will then accept the cartoony floor or, or the, you know, the, 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 sim- the simple shading that's happening on the ground beneath you because there's that sort of balance. And, and what ends up happening is you sort of find this middle ground where you just simply, you know, you simply accept the world as something, uh, as something right. new, as something... Uh, I just, it. I just realized actually that that I didn't give the full introduction of Hello VR, where it's actually so. Think about it this way: uh, think of AltSpace. Actually, funny enough, Diedrich was what you're the first designer at AltSpace. Mm-hmm. Cool. And um, Hello VR is essentially a meta world, a this, this a social environment that is always persistent. So it doesn't matter if there's a one person there or a hundred people or even none, no people in there. It's going to be a living space where you, when you go back, you see the consequences of your actions from the time before. So, I mean, that's a really compelling uh, argument, I think. And, and the your effect on the environment is kind of what has like sold me back in the day with like Battlefield where like, oh, wow, I can build, yeah. you know destroy this wall and then throughout the rest of the match that building is destroyed yep. really cool I'm like I want that and and I've seen so little of like other than simple picking up objects and, and interactability but like you know there's there isn't much in VR yet and I'm I can imagine you know 
the processing and they're trying to do it as, as um, cross-platform as possible, which is why I think Altspace looks so, you know, bland in a sense because they are accounting for Gear VRs and whatnot. So, yeah, yeah we're, we're working on a very different product. We're solving a completely separate set of, of, of problems, really. So if, when, when we show up in Steam, we're going to categorize uh, Matterworld as a simulation. Interesting. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's a true simulation. So we're, you know, we're more concerned or more sort of involved um, with um, creating massive scale uh, simulations. And so in the social element is, you know, it's, it's when, when we've done our jobs, we created a place. Right. Like, you know, and then virtual reality, fortunately enough, allows us to bring actual people into the place and hence the social piece. Um, and, uh, you know, so um, persistence is, is just, you know, in my years of playing video games yeah. and, uh, having computational experiences it's it's why i fell in love with with computers yeah <laughs> it's like it for me it's the holy grail it's this like you know i i've played you know uh, you know we've, we've played countless games uh and, and have had countless, countless experiences where we've interacted with with objects and uh you know you, you kill a bad guy and 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 you know you come back and he's he's gone right and, yeah. you know immersion's broken or yeah. the story's broken right it's and so we've become accustomed to it but um uh, so, finally, having the ability to generate worlds that are absolutely persistent, and I mean, like, when you think about it, like, if you know, if every single user uh, of uh, let's let's uh, take Second Life for example, okay, if everybody logs off of Second Life, mm -hmm. what happens to Second Life? Computationally, what happens? The server? I actually have no idea. Nothing. Oh, okay. It dies. <laughs> Nothing happens. There's no computation. It's dead. It's a dead world. Got it. Uh, uh, so with Spatial OS, uh, what we've done is we've introduced a, uh, you know, a, a, a simulated uh, environment that lives on when no one is around, right? The, the entities in the world persist. They're doing things. They're thinking. They're, they're making decisions. Uh, you come back into the world wow. and uh, it's, it's not the way uh, it was when, when, when you left it. And so it's almost like... There's this sort of chicken egg problem in social VR, right? Like there are like eight people on, uh, you know, all space right now. There are probably like twenty people in rec room right now, right? <laughs> yeah, right, right. So is it, is it so that we, big of a difference now? With, with I think like so. But, but check this out. I, I think completely. Of, think of, agree. But check yeah. this out. When 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 we launch Meta World, uh, we're not going to care how many people are there. Mm. Uh, we're launching a persistent world. If people show up, great. But the world doesn't need anybody. Right. It lives. Whether people are there or not. Well, I mean, you and run so into the to be, philosophical argument to be right? the to be the first <laughs> to be the only individual in this world. Think about it. If we if we do if we are doing our jobs, like we could, I mean, if we're not doing our jobs, yeah. none of this works. None of this makes sense. It's bullshit. But if we do our jobs and we create a place, yeah. right, a real place that is believable when you get there, how awesome would it be to be the only person around? <laughs> It'll be interesting. I mean, even coming back after like a war scene and like just being the only person there. Yeah. Like think about that environment, and you're like, wow, yeah. there's a lot of wreckage. Or yeah. you can tell where yeah. people have stepped. Yep. Um, it their soul, dude. It's yeah. and I think there's the, there's kind of the what I think is interesting is is kind of what we can learn from it, right? What can we learn? You know what 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 we can sort of learn, uh, you know, by having these sort of experiences. I mean, what I've been, I mean, I, like the first time I. Um, we prototyped a, a basketball experience. In fact, it's probably on YouTube someplace. 
Uh, and the community is just sort of like, yeah, whatever. Like we've seen basketball in virtual reality. What's what's significant about this uh-huh. damn basketball game you guys are playing? Uh-huh. Um, well, a few things. Um, the sun was sort of you know it, it, the persistent sun uh, kind of you know slowly moved across the sky as we played basketball, right? So like you know midway through the game, we kind of paused. At my partner uh, Carlton and I, we sort of pause and look over and and. Uh, you know, we start watching the sunset. And uh, it was in that moment that I realized, like, wow, like, you know what? This is beautiful. I'm going to come back at this time mm. to see this again. And is it a 24-hour yeah. persistent sun that yep, you had right. in there? Okay. That's right. That so I had this sense, like, like, dude, I want to see this again. It, it was just sort of magical and yeah. accidental, right, that this happened. So so uh, more, more happened, actually. <laughs> so we leave the experience, right? And... Uh, I come back, I'm in my living room, and you'll have, you get that sort of like, you know, weird feeling when you've been in VR for a long time, right? Yeah, yeah. Except that now I feel, I could still feel the sun beaming on my head. I had this right. warm feeling from the sun. Right. It was as if I came uh, indoors, uh, you know, from playing basketball. And I had this vivid memory of playing basketball with Carlton. Yeah. And I had to wrestle with like, okay, dude, did that it didn't really real? happen. Yeah, did yeah, it happen? Yeah, yeah. Did it not happen? It's just now. So now today, I have this memory of playing hoops with my buddy uh, in the sun, and uh, you know, I think it was for me. It was in that moment that I realized, like, okay, wow, like, you know, th- th- there's so much sort of untapped uh, to these, uh, uh, you know, fast scale persistent virtual reality experiences, right. and uh, uh, so much to learn. And I think VR is just so pivotal in terms of memory creation yep. and, and the, the difference of the memory that you create yep. uh, when you're in VR than yep. not. And, and it's because it's this multimodal experience. You yep. have every, almost every sense incorporated yep. into your brain. You know, as soon as you're believing it, yep. even if you're not believing it, honestly, even if you're not, let's say, immersed, quote unquote, sure. um, you still just like develop such a fond memory of that or vivid memory of that. There's a good amount of research actually in that end from, I've seen some with kids, uh, essentially like swimming underwater with whales and, and this was in a VR, you know, kind of a research grade VR headset. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think two weeks afterward, they were asked again, like, was this real or not? I mean, it was a better questionnaire than that, but like they very much believed that it was real. Yep. And, um, yeah, I think this is the the type of stories we'll be telling in about ten to fifteen years are going to be very different. Because, yeah. like, I mean, even if you tell the story now of you playing, you know, Halo with your friend, you still did that thing with your friend, even right. though it's a virtual, right? Like, yep. so I, I like the the approach that you guys are taking with this very fundamental experienced veteran in in social design, the social VR design, which is already a very a uh, small subset of VR designers, and what? So, what? What are the, the essentially the lessons learned that you're bringing from Altspace with you and from other experiences that you've seen? Um, and how are you making Hello VR like the best social VR experience that you can create? Apart from the pers- persistence, because I think we've covered that. One. <laughs> yeah. uh, did we cover persistence? I don't know. <laughs> if I throw a rock over there, yeah. okay. Is it going to persist? Uh, if, a tree, if a tree falls, what is it? that's what I mean. That's a philosophical <laughs> question you're trying to solve right here in a virtual way. Oh, man. <laughs> um, yeah, like um, you're mentioning hands and like dangling sure. hands. Or- sure. I, I mean, I, I decided, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting is like 
prior to joining Altspace, I was um, executive creative director at Comcast. I was working on entertainment operating systems. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 um, I brought VR. I had a lab uh, down in New York. You know, we were doing like Internet of Things, you know, mm-hmm. toying around with bringing robots to, to living rooms. And, uh, you know, tried VR, uh, DK1. In fact, I, a woman at a, at a maker's fair asked me if I wanted to try DK1 and if I, and if I let her, you know, try my Google Glass. Okay. And uh, so, oh, so, so, so we swapped. And, it, and, I, and I don't think if I had that experience, I would be uh, talking to you guys wow. uh, at this point. I had to, I had, you know, I put on the DK1 and I had uh, the experience of presence and, and uh, that was it for me. So I, I, I took the DK1 back to Comcast and was like, look, <laughs> We've got to figure out a way to connect this to set-top boxes. This is the future. And, uh, uh, you know, cable TV just patented or just well, it's granted a <laughs> patent actually for streaming or watching cable TV or, or sorry, direct TV in, in VR. Oh, just uh, a side note. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Uh-oh. That's going to be. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, I, so you know, I, I came into VR as a, uh, you know, someone, uh, as a designer, uh, primarily focusing on uh, design an experience around around the home, uh, and so I saw the saw the potential there. And like um, the first, if you think about it, like look back, like the first like tangible interface in virtual reality was was Altspace. There was no Gear VR. There was you know the, we, we had you know, there were social VR apps like VR Chat and a couple others, but the first like totally like cohesive, user friendly interface. I mean, it's the same interface. It's still yeah. there, right? Right. Uh, and it stemmed from my experience creating 10-foot experiences, right? 10-foot experience being one that, uh, you know, a computational experience with a television. You're 10 feet away from it. Right? Oh, okay. I'm like, what does 10-foot mean? Okay, yeah. <laughs> right? Is that um, a term in the uh, industry then? Yeah, it's a UX term, a design okay. term, 10-foot experience. Two-foot is mobile. It's two feet away from oh, a mobile device. I've heard of these terms. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so, you know, long story short, I completely fell in love with this idea of bringing the 10 foot experience to virtual reality. I, I just thought, I, I knew it would work, um, but there was sort of more to it, right? It was beyond sort of bringing the flat two dimensional experience to virtual reality, bringing a fully, uh, you know, fully immersive UI to virtual reality was what I was after and it hadn't quite nailed. Right? We did a lot of voice stuff at Comcast. You know, we, part of my, job there was introducing voice to the remote control system, for example. Yes, that was you? Oh, dude, I have to say, the new Comcast Xfinity remote, <laughs> I love that thing. And I was sitting there just looking at it. Also, a couple couple of interesting things I've noticed about it. The, the It has backlighting, but it's not always on. When you pick it up, it turns on the backlighting itself. It's freaking genius. Okay. I get, I get um, props okay. to, I gotta give a shout out to Tom Lortan, because that, that that that's right. I have uh, Tom's uh, playbook. <laughs> Tom's awesome. But uh, yeah, so I, 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 yeah. I, I, uh, uh, so you know, so uh, leaving Comcast and then you know joining Altspace mm-hmm. as a designer meant like uh, completely you know setting the bar by way of paradigms for you know in, in design and. Um, uh, so I think you know we, you, the question was sort of like what did you learn? What, what were yeah. some of the learning experiences? Um, it, for me, it was really just sort of like discovering that um, I really, really cared about um, bringing humanity together through technology. 
that it was it, like I discovered that it was in fact a calling. In fact, that it was something that I cared about and hadn't um, had the opportunity to really, um, you know, uh, be a part of in a in a um, you know in a very sort of personal way. Really, like like yeah. you know, I I don't like I, I could remember like I mean I've you know I'm from the Bay Area, I'm from Menlo Park, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, but I've been around, man. Like I you know from. <laughs> You know the early web days to like you know worked on some of the first commercial websites ever. Um, I'd always had this sort of feeling that that there was sort of this like invisible um, kind of this wall between people uh, when it came to computational experiences, and it still exists. Like that website, there are thousands of people on it right now, right? But you can't see or interact with them. And I, I always found that like really strange that we have these like walled experiences, these two-dimensional experiences with millions of people on the other side that we don't ever see or interact with. And I, I always had this, like, I had this, like, idea, this, like, dream, really, to just expose that. Um, and, and, uh, But, the, I mean, I don't know how know, true that is. I mean, especially, because we're looking at Facebook. That oh, I'm looking at choose. Google. There's a Google search bar. Oh, right? okay. So I thought we were right? talking about Facebook. So just, <laughs> any, I mean, like, Facebook, Google, whatever. I mean, like, it's, you know, just web experiences in general. There are people, when, you, when you're using a web experience, there are people on the page with you, right? Like, okay. um, and you don't have that exposure to people on the page. So one of the, one of the what we're really sort of um, advocating for uh, at Hello VR, particularly with MetaWorld, is, um, you know, we're not going to do a whole lot of talking on forums. Probably not going to, this is probably my one and only podcast. Uh, next conversation, yes. it's got to be in VR. Exclusive. Right? <laughs> yeah. You know what? I'd love to do this in VR. It's got to be in VR. Yeah. We got we to gotta gear it up and, cool. and, and do it in VR. Um, but um, there, there's this, this sort of expo- like, you know, exposure around um, actually being present with, uh, with, with individuals through technology and like, um, I, I couldn't imagine creating an experience that did not have that. I'm very much like kind of social first as a designer now, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of funny because like I, uh, before I uh, took the job at Allspace, I interviewed at uh, Facebook mm-hmm. uh, and uh, uh, it kind of went south because of this concern that I wasn't into social. <laughs> Interesting. As in social media social, like of posting of yourself? I, 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 uh, I sort of like... It was sort of at a, at a time, I think, when, like, um, I mean, we'd already, well, this was, pre- actually, Facebook had just bought Oculus. Right. So my idea of social and sort of the VR idea of social hadn't quite caught on, I think, throughout the organization. Mm-hmm. So I was effectively, it was kind of a bad, like, it was kind of a, like ship sailing in the in yeah. the night because then, then I go off and, and create Allspace and we actually uh, beat Facebook to market with a social yeah. VR app. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. And now they have a whole team dedicated on producing social VR applications, not just one, but totally a, a, you know, array of them. So Yeah, which is exciting. I mean, we use some of their stuff too. We, we're using like, um, we're using uh, lip sync from, uh, from Facebook. Are from uh, Oculus. From Oculus, yeah, yeah, that was in there. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, awesome. And of course, the the Oculus SDK and totally uh, pumped on um, the next uh, Connect too. Like, I think mm-hmm. some really really awesome social tools will come out of that. Um, a quick thing, kind of, I think why Rec Room suddenly became a huge hit is because it's funny actually. If you listen to Google I/O, mm-hmm. they had some Manuel Clement shout out to, to Manuel he 
came on the stage and ta- he's he's a prototyper at the Google Daydream Interaction Labs or just Day- Daydream Labs. And they essentially have had like 40 weeks where they just had a project a week and they just uh, played with VR and just built awesome things. And the, the talk was essentially a good way for them to just uh, download all the information onto developers everywhere. And what Rec Room did is literally just like sat, sat there, took notes and took those things. Hmm. So some of the things that they took there was uh, starting with... If you have a social experience in VR, don't just put two people in a room together, but actually give them something to do, to grab with their hands and actually like a small little, not a full on game to play, but like a, you know, a little goal. Second is like if they touch hands, like if they do a high five, actually do a visual in an auditory confirmation of that happening. So sparks fly whenever you have a high five, which looks awesome. So you just do fist bumps all around. Um, third is like, they were kind of looking actually it was it was in regards to trolling and like putting hats yeah. on other people which actually they didn't like disallow they actually yeah. allowed for that to happen so it was literally like they took the the google daydream notebook and just like applied it and they and this is just comes from prototyping these things yep. and building on top of them so n- knowing that now i mean where what what are some of the interesting things that you've seen that you're building on top of now and that other developers can kind of you know if they want to get into social vr what can you what would you recommend what are the interesting things you've you've noticed um we've noticed that like you know trolling is obviously a huge uh issue in vr right yeah and the way we we sort of see it is it's a it's a it's almost like a in a way it's a failure on the part of the developer to create a genuine sense of uh, social presence like if I gave you an axe and you actually believe that it were an axe and you actually believe that I were a person, chances are you're not going to lunge at me and chop me. But if you thought I were a cartoon character or the axe was fake, then you have no problem with like right. swinging the axe, right? So um, when social VR is at its best, it's believable. Hmm. So what we aim for are um, your truly believable uh, experiences that uh, when they work, uh, they often, um, uh, you know, curtail some of the, uh, you know, riffraff we we come across in in, in social mm-hmm. VR. For example, um, you know, you know, for us, context is is uh, you know is everything. If you place, you know, the first thing you you mentioned was if you place a person in a room. Well, if you place two people in a room, chances are they're either gonna fight or they're gonna right. or they're gonna fight, right? <laughs> right? Right, right. right. So like. You know, immediately I'm in this room, it's tense, there are five other people in there, uh, I'm going to get rowdy. Um, so um, we tend to focus on uh, kind of environment as a context. So like out there actually has an out there. Um, you know, uh, rooms are not rooms. Uh, you know, rooms are to scale spaces, four walls, and beyond the four walls is place and space and Developers, designers getting into social VR. I think. I think um, considering context is a is truly you know, truly important. Rec room is a perfect example of context. Yeah. Immediately, it's a rec room. It's a dorm room. Right. I'm gonna go in. I'm gonna rip shit. I'm gonna. Act, I'm gonna wild out. Right. It's the. It's perfect setup. <laughs> it's. It's a beautiful story. Fun uh, as hell. Um, and so for a rec room, it's sort of uh, you know figuring out ways to kind of break that context or or to evolve the context is going to be an interesting problem for them or interesting uh discovery for them you know? yeah i mean introducing the dorms was sort of a clever uh 
way of uh, evolving context of it, right? Suddenly, you know, your dorm room sort of equates to, you know, completely fit. Right. Um, you know, fit sort of the sort of the, the rec room theme, um, and we did the we 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 t- we've taken a similar approach with um, Meta World Pioneer Edition, right? Like suddenly, you know, uh, coining the the edition Pioneer, this sort of you know gives it uh, a, a good deal of context, gives you something to to sort of wrap your head around. Awesome. Well, thank you, Diedrich. I think this has been a really interesting and an impromptu little conversation that we were having and I was like, I need to pull out the microphone and like get this on tape because this guy knows what he's talking about. And um, I think all our viewers and listen, well, no viewers yet, but I think we, I, I want to take this into a social VR experience. I think it would be really cool if actually audience members are there to actually see it. Kind of like the Foo show with what they've yeah. done, but I think there's a lot of production that goes into what Foo's done. Um, thank you again, DJ. No doubt. Cheers, man. Cheers. And uh, thank you again for listening and join us for our next episode.